right. Um, just want to say a couple things before we get started. A couple announcements I'll add to Hema's. Um, Pastor Jonathan, he, him and Reagan are in Arizona this weekend. They're, um, they're continuing to get some scans and just do some checks, but um, Reagan's doing a lot better. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard, but literally the cancer, I think that the tumors have shrunk by like 85% in like three, three months. So really great, great news, and uh, we're, we're really excited to have them back here full-time um, here soon. Um, also want to thank Jared for coming out and filling in today. Michael was sick, and we're so thankful that Jared was able to come over from Topeka to help us out this morning with worship. So thanks, Jared. Appreciate it. Um, well, last thing, um, is there any graduates? I know we have a couple that are actually like gone today for graduation. Is there any others besides Glenn? Glenn, will stand up, man. Come on, let's give you a, come on, graduate, yeah. Um, anybody else that's graduating? Okay. You, you guys will now see Glenn on KSNT in Topeka on, on air for sports, what is it called, Frenzy Friday, Friday Frenzy, football frenzy, and then what's the basketball one? Full court press, all right, maybe we have a baseball one too in the summertime, all right, cool, so look forward to seeing Glenn more on KSNT um, sports reporting if you like sports, um, so. All right, well, I'm going to get started, uh, and, you know, today I'm going to talk a little bit, it's going to be a simple message, but it's a very, it's a very hard message, simple but hard. Um, you know, we had, a, we had a great Christmas party last night, it was really fun to see everybody, um, and even those who bore with me about singing the 12 days of Christmas, I appreciate you guys so much, I really was fighting for that, and uh, it happened, and it ended up being okay for some people. <laughs> so um, not everybody really wanted to do that. But all right. But last week, Jonathan closed on our act series. And you know, I, I thought, man, it was great. We got through 28 chapters. I mean, that was really great. We finished off strong. And you know, I, I, I was thinking about it. And I was thinking, gosh, man, I had, I had a lot of hope after hearing all that. And I was embold, emboldened by, I mean, I want to live like Paul did. I mean, man, after hearing all these stories in 28 chapters, I was like, man, I need to live more like Paul. Like, not just read these great stories. I need to, like, do it more often. Um, and I, I was struck that wherever Paul went, there were riots, protests, jailings, beatings. <laughs> and I'm like, man, what? this dude was, this was good. he was causing havoc. But he was pr- the reason why was because he was speaking truth. You know, and a lot of times, the truth that he was speaking um, was hard for people to hear. You know, the truth of the gospel sometimes is hard. And, uh, you know, the, when, when, when God's truth, God, I think God's truth demands, when applied, lives to transform. And that leads to priorities in a city, a village, a community to get shifted and realigned. So we get, we, we the, the, it, the tr- God's truth demands that there's a realignment that occurs. And so, and and, because he wants ultimately, he wants that community village, that person to to, uh, line up with his word. So it's interesting, even in, in, I I remembered the story when when I was thinking, sitting there last week of Acts 19, there was this silversmith named Demetrius. And this Demetrius, Paul had been preaching in their area, Ephesus is where they were from, and he had been preaching there and because so many people were saying, man, I need to shift the way I'm living to live according to God's ways, they were losing business. 
the silversmith business was not doing well. Uh, the, they were making, the silversmith industry there was making these statues of this goddess Artemis. And the, the, this guy Demetrius is like, hey, this can't keep happening. We're losing our business. We're losing our livelihood. Instead of thinking, man, I need to change and start living for Jesus, and I need to come up for a new way of, to create some new things with the silver in, in the silver industry, he's, man, let's create a riot. Let's create a protest because people, too many people are shifting their priorities to follow Jesus. And it, it was just an interesting thing. Like when you, when you speak truth of, hey, man, you're not going to have any other gods before me, People get start shifting and realigning, and that, that causes some problems, and it, causes, it caused a riot there in Acts 19. You know, I, it made me think, what, what happens when I speak truth? What happens when, am I causing people to, the, to that is helping them lead to conviction or transformation? Or is it just words? You know, and it really convicted me in that way, like, man, I got to make sure, I'm, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to really guide what I'm saying. So, Anyways, so, so as I was sitting there, and I was sitting there, I was getting a lot of revelation yet last week. I don't know about you guys, but I, one of the things he said was, man, that, that was, you know, uh, actually, I want to move back to something else first. So my wife, when I get home, she says, hey, how was message? You know, she, when I was working in the, in the financial industry, she, I would go to these conferences, and last week was no different. I, kinda, I came home, and she said, so, hey, well, how was the message? How would you... And I, when, I, when I used to go to these conferences, I used to say, oh, it was good. It was so great. It was awesome. And she'd be like, so tell me about it. Like, what was it? Oh, man, it was so good. Man, I felt so, I learned so much, you know. She's like, okay, what did you learn? Like, what was so good about it? Oh, babe, it was so good. I was like, you know. And she's like, all right, and I've had enough. Um, no, but, you know, it was so interesting, like, if we don't, we have to be a people that are willing to dig deep and figure out how God's word needs to change us. Not just, oh, that was good. Oh, man, what Rich said today, that part, yeah, that was good. Man, I, okay, great. And then go on with our lives. No, we don't want to do that. We, we want to apply it. We need to change now. The world needs leaders with courage and integrity that, that, to follow. So, But anyways, the statement that I, that I thought of Jonathan's last, last week was, the mind justifies what the heart has chosen. The mind justifies what the heart has chosen. And, you know, I've heard that statement before, and I've thought about it, and I thought, man, that's such a good statement and everything. But last week, it just hit different. It just hit different. The mind justifies what the heart has chosen. And I was thinking about areas in my life where, man, I had chosen something, and then my mind would justify it, and it was a wrong thing, you know. And, but I wanted to tell you a story as we, as we start today about, at one point, were the last 10 to 12 years where I was a Mountain Dew addict. I know that's hard to believe. Yeah. But I desired one Mountain Dew every day, the quick trip kind, not just the, you know, can or two liter model of Mountain Dew. It was the 32 ounce fountain special. See, I know some of you are shaking your head because I know you have that same problem. But, but I, I, w I would go out of my way to find a Mountain Dew every day, like literally for probably 10, maybe 12 years, okay? I didn't even drink it in college. I didn't, it was like at my house growing up, like soda was like super special when I grew up. Like that was like a once, like a big party every maybe couple times a year. And so anyways, so for the last 10 to 12 years, I would be getting a fountain soda and my family was like, what do you, you know? 
And people that know me know I'm very disciplined, structured, like no sweets before dinner, I worked out regularly, struck deferred gratification, health conscious. How is Rich drinking Mountain Dew? My, some of my staff people would be like, they'd see it on my desk and they'd grab it and go hide it. They'd be like, you, can't, you cannot do this. What are you doing? Um, and I, you know, I would just, how could I live in this contradiction? And I justified it by saying, man, it's the only thing, bad thing I'm putting in my body. It's going to be okay. You know, it won't do any harm. You know, but then after years of being mildly nudged by my wife, and I'll just say it wasn't as mild as I put it there, but she nudged me quite a bit and berated, actually, by my kids. They're telling me constantly to stop. On uh, January 1st of this year, I actually stopped. Okay? And I'm, I'm, let's see, I'm 19 days from the end, no, is it 19 days? 19 days from the end of the month to getting a whole year without drinking a Mountain Dew or a soda at all, any soda. And so, how did that happen? I mean, just like, why did I stop? I just, you know, I just decided. I said, I'm going to stop. I'm going to, like, my heart was like, my heart chose, you know, and I already knew, I always knew the science, you know, and this is the best part about when you're trying to give some, people are funny, you know, they, they used to quote me the science, like I didn't know it. Like, they would say, hey, Rich, do you know that Mountain Dew is really bad for your health? Like, do you know, like, Mountain Dew, it's really bad, you'll have Mountain Dew mouth. Like, your teeth get all jacked up and stuff like that if you drink too much Mountain Dew. Then they would say, you know it's made from flame retardant and some other, like, harmful things that are banned in some countries. And I would be like, yeah, I know. I'm good with that. (laughs) But my mind knew that it wasn't the best decision to drink Mountain Dew, but I still did it. I, I just wanted it. I needed it, right? You only live once. It may be a shorter life, but oh, you know, enjoy it, you know. But in January 1, I chose to stop. My heart chose. And then I made all the justifications of why it was important that I, that I stopped drinking Mountain Dew. And I put people close to me to hold me accountable. But after the first couple weeks, they didn't even ask me. I didn't even, I didn't even think about it, except when I go to a Mexican restaurant. Um, because, you know, Mexican food and soda just go so good together, right? Um, but I want to tell you that story because I found out there's a division between heart and mind, and I think the culture sends us conflicting messages. You know, follow your heart or follow your mind, and we're torn. We're, we're really, we're, we're torn. Some people who don't really care about faith or religion might say something like, I follow the philosophy of the famous philosopher Rene Descartes, who had said, I think, therefore I am. I'm just a logic person. I just think I'm just going to follow the science. Then if you're a follower of Jesus, you might actually remember a verse in Jeremiah uh, 17.9. says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Who can understand it? So we would get, think these things would kind of flow through our head. But then you might also remember the parable in Mark that would go, Mark 7.14 through 23. It says, Jesus called to the crowd, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside of a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. And I love the way Jesus talks to these guys. It's so funny. He goes, are you so dull? Are you so dull? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. And saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. All right, here's the key part. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, 
that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, and envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. You know, it makes you think like, man, I'm definitely not going to follow my heart anymore, right? When you read these verses, it makes you kind of think that. But as humans, we tend to place one over the other. And if I were to bet, my guess is that most people think their equation looks like this. Most people think that, oh man, I make all my decisions based off only logic. I'm, I would never follow my heart. And the, Some people, though, they, they, they wouldn't go with that. But a lot of people think, man, I'm a smart person. I'm going to follow my mind, right? But if you, and you take a cursory look at things, you might be right. But most people want you to believe that they have thought through things. But really, I believe it's really this. I believe most people actually do make that decision based off of that. And it's probably, because I think it's really hard to choose something that your heart doesn't want to do, even if it logically makes sense. My heart chose that I wanted to drink that Mountain Dew, even though logically I knew, man, that's so bad for me. That's so bad for you to do that, drink that. And I think we choose our hearts so often, it seems like our heart wins over our logical faculties over and over again. And typically, we see that with addictions. You see that all the time. Smoking, excessive drinking, drugs, porn, gambling, eating. You know, it's more underground with things like lying, like when you these verse lying, lewdness, gossiping, envy, arrogance, malice, or folly. It's kind of an underground addiction. We know the facts about why our particular addiction is damaging, yet our mental awareness doesn't allow us to change our addictions. While we think most of Western society would like to consider the mind the primary operating, operating force, it would be more accurate to say that our hearts are truly the driving force behind our actions in this world. Our hearts are truly behind the, are the driving force behind most of our actions in this world. And that's why I think we've got to get our heart right. You know, Cold hard logic doesn't win most of the time because life gets in the way. Life gets in the way. And oftentimes, as followers of Jesus, our primary concern is our mental understanding of God and his work through Christ. We value right thinking above all. But I believe we have wrongly thought that knowing about God, kind of just knowing, hey, this is about God, is the same as knowing God. It's not. God has not designed us to experience truth in this way. He hasn't. Head disconnected from heart. He wants us to live where heart and mind are united in the same cause. He wants us to live that way. And God does this through the work of Christ. When we surrender, he changes our heart. Jesus reorders our hearts and minds. And I want to look at a couple of verses just as it relates to the heart. You know, first, first we see when we, when we decide to say, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So we become a new creation. But does that mean that all of a sudden, like, our mind is clear and all that? But let's just go further into the heart. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from, your heart, from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And Jeremiah 24, 7, I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I will be their God for they shall return to me with their whole 
heart. When we believe in Jesus and pledge our allegiance to him, we are a new creation. The old passes away, and we get a new heart. That's exciting. That's good. We will know, and then we will know that he is Lord, and we will, we will love the Lord with all our heart. But it's interesting. We get a new heart, and we get to say we, we pledge our allegiance to Jesus, but then our minds are still not clear. Right? We have to renew our minds. We've learned a lot of things over however long it's taken you to follow, to, to go out to follow Jesus. And I, I think of the verse in Romans, that one of my favorite verses, you know, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When I, when I decided to follow Jesus as a law student at KU, because um, I was reached as a college student as well, um, you know, my brain needed some washing. And my, it, because I needed to get, like, right thinking. And my mom and parent, my parents, my dad, mom, they saw me start changing the way I was living. And I started, like, actually trying to apply the Bible to my life and follow Jesus. And my parents said, you're, like, getting brainwashed. And I said to them, mom, I said to my mom, mom, my brain needed washing. And she was like, you're messed up. <laughs> you know, and I was like, hey, mom, I needed to get my brain washed because a lot of the things I had learned, the way I was living, wasn't according to the way to the Bible. And that's the hard, the hard, that's like kind of the rub. Like you have to, you start following Jesus and we think, okay, great, I'm great now. No, you're not. You, we have to, re- the Bible says we need to renew our mind so that we can test and approve God's will. So we slow, and then that happens over, it's a process. It happens over time. And you start renewing your mind. Colossians 3.10 says, And I have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of the creator. So where are we? We heard the statement that mind justifies that the heart is chosen. Okay? We know that an unredeemed heart is wicked and deceitful. We initially didn't want to follow our heart. We will tend to choose our heart, though, over logic. And then when we give our allegiance to Jesus, he makes us a new creation and gives us a new heart. And that opens the door to get our mind to be renewed and transformed. And so, I want to, how do, ultimately, I want to give you a few things to say, hey, this is what you can do to get your heart right. Because you need to get your heart right first. If we don't do that one, nothing else after that matters. So, The first point is pledge allegiance to Jesus. You know, we come to a place, we need to come to a place where we repent and turn away, um, turn turn from the way we're living. You know, St. Augustine said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. You know, it seems like our heart knows what what we need, just not where to get it. You know, it's just so crazy. In Acts 2.38, Peter, Peter replied, each of, each of you must repent your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then in Romans 10.9 and 10, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. You know, if you haven't done this, heart, this part, it's pretty hard to move on. 
It's pretty hard if you haven't said, hey, I'm going to get a new, I need, a, I need a new heart. I need to start looking at things from a different lens. You know, we need to pledge our allegiance, forsake all other gods, and follow the king of kings. In today's terminology, I guess it would say just we're all, you need to go all in. You know, go all in for Jesus. You know, doing this, I think, is the key to unlocking these next three points that I have. I know many people who have given mental assent to follow Jesus, but because of some, like, emotional experience, like, I maybe a few weeks back I told you guys, you know, I gave my life to Jesus like 17 times when I was in high school, and I just kept accepting Jesus, and I'd go good for like a week, and then I'd move on to something else, you know. I gave this mental assent, oh yeah, I want to follow Jesus. Oh man, you, you, you're a missionary from South America in the jungles. Man, I want to go do that. I'm in. I want to follow Jesus. Or, oh man, this person, man, I was constantly going on this little cycle of mental assent, but I didn't learn the word and start following and start practicing so that I could actually see my life change. <clears throat> so point number two, learn his ways. You know, we need to actually start learning his teachings. I mean, again, I, I, I told you earlier, it's like, look, these aren't hard things. This is very, it, it's, it's a very simple, simple things I'm telling you, but it's actually hard to live it out. So point number two, learn his ways. We need to actually start learning his teachings. How do we do this? Well, we read the word. We have to start reading. We have to learn, get, a, get that, become that, become a habit. We've got to engage in a small group. We've got to learn from mature believers. We go, you know, go to the Knowing God class, Experiencing Christian Community class. When I was a kid growing up, actually probably in high school, there was these books, and I don't, I don't know if they're still around. I haven't seen them lately. They were called the dummy books. Like they were yellow and black. And there was these books, and I would be, you know, if I was interested, say, I remember once I was interested in mutual funds, and I know I'm a really exciting guy. And so I was interested in mutual funds, learning about them, and so I got the dummies book for mutual funds. And I just started reading it, and I, I came to that book as a dummy. I was like, man, I'm a dummy. I don't know anything about mutual funds. I want to learn about it. And so I just started reading it. Man, I felt like I knew a lot about mutual funds after, and then I started practicing and then, and then, you know, it got me, and now mutual funds are like, for old people, it's more like ETFs now are cool. So anyways, but we need, to, we need to come, we need to come to the Bible to become, as we, we give our lives to Jesus and our heart to Jesus, we need to come as dummies and say, okay, like, okay, I've known all these things. I lived 24 years as, as a, just as a person, just as a lost, and as a lost student at KU. I lived 24 years learning all these things. Now I need to come as a dummy to the Bible and say, okay, teach me. How, how can you change, how can I change the way I'm living? Matthew 28, 16 through 20, my kids would tell you this is my favorite verse in the Bible or favorite verses um, in the Bible. It, it just, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And then when he saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. That's a command. Therefore, go, okay? Command, but commands, and, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So he's telling the disciples, go make disciples of all nations and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we need to learn. 
we, this is a command we have to teach. We have to say, okay, I want to learn his, his ways. I, I wanted to give us an example, so I put Proverbs 3, 5 through 12 up here, and I wanted to give us an example of how we can learn. So, so say, let's just say we're reading this verse and how we could go along and look at it. Let's see. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Okay, pretty straightforward verse, right? Trust in the Lord, right? Submit to him, lean not on your understanding, and he's going to make your path straight. That's so good. Man, that, okay, right? all right. I want my path to be straight. All right, next one. Do not be wise in your own eyes, okay? Don't be arrogant. Don't be too smart. Fear the Lord, okay? And shun, shun evil. Okay, that means stay away from evil. And what is, it, what is the promise there? This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Okay, if I stay away from evil, I probably won't get beat up. That's good. All right, nourish, no. Bring health to my body, right? Fear the Lord. That's such a great thing, to fear the Lord. Put him first. All right, look at the next one. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. All right, so I, that's, this probably talks about tithing, right? And then it says, or giving money to, to the Lord. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. Okay, good, I can flow with that. It's a little hard initially when I, somebody was talking to me about tithing when I was a law student, but it was easier because I was a student. It was easier to tithe back then because I didn't really work too much and I made like maybe a couple hundred dollars. Back then was a lot. Um, I made a couple hundred dollars, so if I made $200, I would say, okay, I'm going to give the that's $20. I can do that. I gave $20. When I started making big money as a lawyer, man, it was a lot easier because I gave when I didn't have much. I just made it, it started becoming a habit. And it was then it became a reflex, and it was easy. But, man, if I had started when I was a lawyer, oh, man, that would have been painful to write that check. <laughs> that would have been really painful. All right, keep going. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father the son he delights in. Wow, another good verse. So when somebody comes and rebukes me, maybe for something I'm not doing right or I'm not living according to his ways, the Lord's trying, man, I have to, man, the Lord, that, I have to say, man, the Lord loves me because he's sending people in my life that want to help me, maybe help me grow. Okay, man, this is good. This is, man, I'm, I'm excited. I was excited to read that. You guys don't seem so excited. All right. Now, all right, point number three. Point number three, follow and practice his ways. Okay, so this is goes, this is goes to the part about like, hey, we gotta, we got to practice. So many times we give our lives to Jesus. We start hearing the truth. You start learning. Okay, we give mental assent to it, and now we have to actually do it. I know that, you know, and, and usually what happens? We give up pretty easily. Let's, let's talk about that. Right, we, one that's very normal. Workouts, right? Workouts. We all love that. Our friend is Susanna, right? Susanna, come on. Yes, right. That's right. Working out. Someone gives us a good plan, right? They get. You got a friend who's like all fit, buffed out. They're all. They're you man. They're healthy. They eat healthy. You're like, I need to talk to this person, man. They need to. I want, man. I need to get their help because I want to get fit. So we we we. They put a plan together for us. We study it. We're like, oh yeah, if I do this every day, this is gonna be great. We buy the right food. Okay, we buy the right food, protein mixes, all, you know, creatine, all the stuff, right? We get workout clothes, right? You need the right shoes and the right 
you know, workout gear for the gym, maybe even the right headband if you're into that. You know? <laughs> and it, within a week, we're crying, eating ice cream at Dairy Queen, right? Because we're like, oh my gosh, this is so painful. I can't even sit on, the, sit on the toilet. It hurts my legs so much because I've done so many squats. Or, oh man, my arms, I can't even, don't hit me there. My son, when he started working out this summer, he's, a, he's going into 10th grade, he's a soccer player, those dudes stay really skinny, right? And he runs five miles probably every game, he's a midfielder. And he, my friend, was going to take these four guys and start working them out. My son went, the first time he's ever lifted any weights, so that he was doing bench press and all that, squats. And the first time he came back from bench press, like the next day, like, I just bumped into him, like, in the hallway in our house. He's like, Dad, what did you do? Why did you hit me so hard? I'm like, dude, I just walked by you. I just hit. He's like, Dad, don't. And I was like, oh, you're sore from working out. Oh, and then I had to come to him. Jared, stand up. Stand up real quick. Then I had to come, and I would walk by him, and I'd go, oh. And he'd be, stop, Dad, stop, get away from me. Because, you know, right here is where it really hurts when you start lifting with your, in your chest, right? And then he's like, Dad, I can't. You can sit down. Thanks, Jared. <clears throat> But then, then he was like, Dad, I can't even sit on the toilet. <laughs> like, my legs hurt so bad. I'm like, bro, that's the way it is, you know. But we give up. We give up so easily because it's so painful. It's so painful to keep going. And then we're just like, but Dairy Queen's calling my name. It's such, such, I want an ice cream cone. I really do this, you know, gluten-free stuff. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so it's, so it's, it, it's hard, you know, and I understand that. And, and so... It gives credence to that saying, we know about God, but we don't know God. Because we, we give up. We give up too easily sometimes. You know, and, and I remember as a kid, hearing from my coaches, practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. Practice. And I, as an adult, I realized that isn't true, actually. Practice doesn't make perfect. It makes permanent. And that's what I tell my teams, is practice makes permanent. Because you know what? You're practicing something. You're practicing something. You know, as a, as a kid, I was a, ba- was a basketball player in, in high school, and my coaches would tell me that practice makes perfect. And I was a postman at 5'10", um, maybe 5'9 now, I'm shrinking. And uh, I was a post guy, and I had developed this hook shot. My coach said, man, you develop a hook shot, you like being in the post, it's going to be hard for those 6'4", 6'5 guys to block you. And so I developed, man, I practiced and practiced. He would say, practice makes perfect, Rich. You're going to be, and I was thinking, man, does that mean I'm going to make it every time if I work this hard? And I'm going to make that hook shot every time. Sorry, guys, it's not true. It wasn't true. I practiced this thing so hard. And I was a good player, but I didn't make it every time. I didn't, that hook shot, I worked hard. It was, it made it permanent. I got the right form. I got all the, you know, man, I, I learned how to do a hook shot. But practice makes permanent, doesn't make, and we have to start practicing. And as you practice the right things, you start to see change. You start to see life change. And I started to see a lot more hook shots go in. And I started to get confident with my hook shot. And I was like, man, this is cool. I can make a lot of baskets over a lot of big guys. This is really cool. But in the same way, practice forms a habit. You start, just start reading your Bible. Start reading it daily. And then you go from a habit a habit forms a reflex. Man, it's just normal. And then a reflex takes no energy. It takes no energy. How many things in your life now are no energy? You just, you, you've done them so long, you've created a habit and then becomes a reflex. Practicing your faith is very similar. You practice and, and build a habit of reading your Bible. It turns into a reflex and then it takes no energy. 
you start to get life and faith when you practice getting in his word, and you probably start missing it. Like, oh, man, I need to get in the word today. I'm so excited. Man, I want to get after it. But sometimes you might need somebody to help you, to encourage you. You know, I know Susanna, when she's been going to the gym, she's had all these ladies are encouraging her, right? And me, I'm encouraging her all the time, too. I'm like, come on, Susanna, you got this. You can do this, you know. Susanna's embarrassed, I know. Sorry, Susanna. Should have told you I was going to say that. No. Um, but it gets easier, you know. And, you know, man, get, I had a roommate in college, in, in college that he couldn't get up out of bed. He, his alarm would go off, and my room and his room were upstairs, and his alarm would just go constantly. Like a con- and, and I would be like, dude, you've got to turn that thing off. He wouldn't hear it. And it would just go and go and go. And I was like, dude, you've got you to... Gotta, like, you've got to get out of bed. He would always be late to all his classes and stuff. You've got to get out. So then I would go, because he, he, he said, hey, help me create a habit of getting up on time. So he'd tell me what time, and I'd be like, all right, I'm going to wake you up. His alarm would go off, and he wouldn't be there. I'd go over to his room. I'd get him, and I'd actually shake him. And then he'd try to fight me a little bit. And then, you know, like, actually, like, actually one time he got really mad at me. He wanted to fight me. I said, I'm not getting up. I was like, yeah, you are. And so we it grabbed him. And, but we created that habit. And he's a successful guy now. He's like, man, he tells me, man, thanks for getting me, teaching me how to get out of bed and wake up on time and get to work. He's a meteorologist for the military. Just a really great kid. But he, he was, he couldn't get out of bed. Couldn't get out of bed. Sometimes we need people to help us, you know. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it's getting up and going to church. It's hard, you know. It's hard to get up for you. Maybe it's hard to go to a small group. Oh, I'm going to feel so awkward. All the relationships. I've got to meet new people. I might have to talk to some people. That's so scary. You know, that, it's hard. You've got to start. You've got to take a step. You know, maybe it's tithing, handling conflict, you know. Whatever. It, it could be a lot of things. Point number four, teach others. God calls us to be disciples and to go make disciples. He doesn't say keep it all to ourselves. In turn, he, that helps our heart get right, and when we serve others and deny our own interests, we grow more like Christ. Our heart grows more, like, more towards Christ, and we, our love for Christ grows. And, and I remember in 2 Timothy 2, Paul is, telling, Paul is talking to Timothy, and he says, hey, trust this, teach this, teach all this stuff to trustworthy men. Teach this. So you know, our heart to go out and, and, and teach others um, makes our heart right. You know, I hope you don't get from these four points that getting your heart right is easy. I know the points are very simple. I understand that. Um, but it is not easy. It's not easy. It, it's very hard. Um, but it's a process. And, you know, Jesus wants to walk alongside us and just come alongside and say, man, you can do this. You got this. He wants to bring people. That's why we have community. So people can come alongside us and help us when it's hard. Like, hey, I can, man, I want to stand with you. You know, I'm going to stand. It's, I love, there's a group of guys that um, uh, they come to the ministry house at, there and they, they all go work out together. And it's a lot more fun when there's three or four of you than, oh man, I got to go work out by myself. It's so much more fun to do stuff together. Man, the same way, it's the same way in faith. Man, well, let's do this thing together. Why don't, I don't want to be a lone ranger Christian, you know? It's a process, but when you pledge your allegiance to Jesus, it opens the door, and he'll give you the grace to grow, but you have to choose him daily. And the posture of your heart needs to be soft towards the things of God. Your posture of your heart needs to be soft to the things of God. You know, I will tell you a warning, though, and this is going to be a a stern warning. 
the more you learn about him, practice his ways, tell others about him and choose him, you might start to look like him. You might start to look like Paul. Remember what was happening to Paul in Acts? People might think you're weird or old-fashioned or crazy or countercultural. They might persecute you, say mean things to you. Your mom or dad might say, you know, like my mom did, hey, are you, brain, are you getting brainwashed? And I'm like, that mom, my, my brain needed washing. But they might persecute you and say mean things to you. You have to say, oh, man, am I okay with that? If I choose Jesus and I start looking like Jesus, people might think you're weird. They might think you're crazy. Paul, they thought that about Paul. I mean, let's be straight here. That's the way it was. The followers of Jesus or the way, as they called them in Acts, they were crazy. But, you know, they didn't, pay, they didn't pray. The thing, cool thing, they didn't pray for the persecution to stop. Does anybody remember what they prayed for? Anybody? This is actually a question. Yes. Make us bold and courageous. That's what they prayed. Make us bold and have, to, and have courage. They didn't say stop the persecution. They said have bold and courage. And I need courage when maybe people are thinking I'm weird or I say something that's really kind of hard to somebody and everybody at the table is like, who is this freak that just said this stuff to me? You know? But they prayed for boldness and courage to preach the word. You know, recently the um, some friends on my birthday they gave me a shirt. They gave me a shirt that's um, set, the black T-shirt they made for me at this place down here. Um, I don't know if it's Acme or that's the other one. Um, but they made me a shirt and it said, it said established 1999, Jesus freak. And I was like, oh man, that's a really sweet present. I love that. I love that. I don't care. I'm glad people call me a Jesus freak. But I was like, established 1999. That was, that was really cool. It was a pretty cool present. And I was like, man, I, I hope that people think like, man, yeah, that guy, he's, he's freaky for Jesus. Like, he loves Jesus. Like, he's, yeah, he's a mess. He just loves Jesus. I hope that people say that about me. I hope they say that about you too. So let me, let me pray for us and... Uh, Father, we just thank you for this time. Thank you for letting us come together. Thank you, Father God, um, for even working in Reagan's life and healing her, Lord, more and more every day. Father, I just thank you for this word today. I pray, Father, that we would pledge our hearts and our allegiance to you, Lord God. That we would pledge that, that Father, we would want to follow you, Lord God. Father, I, I also, that we would turn and, and turn towards you more and more, that we would keep our, the posture of our hearts soft, to you, Lord God, and that we would be willing to, to just learn, to grow, and then apply, apply your word to our lives and see our lives transform and change, Lord God. I just pray that you give us the boldness and courage to fight, to go, to go forward, and to, to, live, to live your word out in this culture. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I sit down, I want to invite up... Um, Emma is going to get baptized in about 30 minutes, um, hopefully in some warm water, but it might be cold water. But I want, I want her to come up and maybe just share briefly uh, a testimony um, of what's happened with her recently, and then 